by reading Mark 10, Mark 10, 13 to 16. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, (coughs) Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Let's pray. Gracious God, what precious verses are these? Help me to expound them, to finish last week's lesson, and then expound these verses, and help us to grow our children in the things of God by the divine benediction of thy Holy Spirit. Be near to us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I seldom do this, but I didn't quite finish the lesson last week, and there wasn't enough left to carry over a whole week, so we're, we're doing two. <laughs> um, so I want to finish last week's lesson and then begin uh, training our children for godly living. Number two, the, with the subtitle, Bringing Them to Christ. And, and that will take us two or three weeks because I don't want to rush through this important subject of uh, bringing our children to Christ. So we were talking <clears throat> last time about training our children in godly living intellectually and socially, and we got through that, and then it just remains for me to say something about training our children physically and give you a few conclusions, and then we'll move over into uh, the Mark 10 passage. So how do we train our children physically? Well, There's some obvious things. They need a certain amount of sleep. They need a a healthy diet. They need plenty of exercise. Uh, Mothers must remind their daughters that one day, with God's help, they'll be mothers themselves. So they need strong bodies, fit to bear children, care for them, which is a demanding task. And dads must teach their sons to be clean in body and orderly in appearance, as well as upright in conduct and pure in heart and be real men. So to that end, as our children grow, we must also teach them the facts of life. We must teach them about how babies are made by the grace of God. Physiologically, And we must teach them the facts of life spiritually. So that includes talking to children about how God made their bodies, about how their bodies are to be used. Discussing openly uh, sexual and spiritual boundaries to which they must adhere. And we have biblical examples of this. 
Proverbs 5, 15 through 23. Proverbs 6, 20 through 35. Proverbs 7, 1 through 27. The wise father is talking to his son about the facts of life, about how to handle himself, about how to interact with flirtatious women, all kinds of physical things. What he should do, what he shouldn't do. Now, we, what we don't want to do, what we don't want to do, is what so many of our parents did and our grandparents did, is we don't want to leave this education about the facts of life to the peers of our children or to ungodly friends of our children who, who introduce it to them in wrong ways. Uh, in my own case, I, it's kind of interesting. My mother gave me a book to read when I was like 13 years old. And um, I learned the facts of life from a friend when I was eight years old. Nine, maybe. Told me things. I was, wow, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And my mother asked me after, it was a little book about mice and how mice had babies. And it was just really kind of like old-fashioned and out of date, hugely out of date. And my mother asked me what I thought of it. She said, you know, your dad doesn't feel too free to talk to you about this stuff. So I, I thought I'd give you this book. And I go, well, you're about five years too late. Um, so generally when children are eight, nine, ten, you should be able to talk to them openly. Because you talk to them openly about everything in family worship. And you should be able to talk to them about this as well. So when I had to do it with, with my, my, my son, I, I actually looked up some sources and I read a few sources about how to do this. I, I was a, maybe a tad bit nervous. I mean, I had done this before. But as I began to talk to him, I realized we've talked about intimate spiritual things. This actually isn't that hard. I just need to explain how it goes and how you should preserve your body and, and so on. And um, apparently he, he felt the same thing because I said to him at the end, if you have any more questions, come to me and ask me. He said, no problem, what's for supper? And I go, what's for supper? Well, yeah, it was just like another thing that we talked over. So you can make too big of a deal of it as well, but you want to be the first one to talk to your children about it, to show them the cleanness and the healthiness and the beauty of God's way of physical intimacy, which is reserved for marriage. So, part of this training has to be that you, as you speak about physical things, you want to talk to your children and say, your body, when you're a believer, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So your body deserves respect and care and obedience to God. And that applies not only to the sexual side of life, 
By extension, it applies to all of life. So we don't fill our bodies with junk food. We don't feed our minds and our hearts on the immoral filth and corrupt thinking of the world around us. We are to use our bodies, my son, my daughter, to the honor and the glory of God. And you need to be born again so that your bodies will be inhabited, indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. That's, that's critical. Now, there's other areas of physical needs as well that you want to train them on. One, one, some of the big issues of the day, and I'll just mention two of them real quickly. One is sports. Wow, sports is a big thing today. Sport heroes. How, how do you use your body in sports um, doing the best of your ability, but not idolizing sports, especially organized sports. And at the same time, do promote getting exercise in sports and some of the team, team uh, camaraderie in sports and some of the good things that sports can develop in, in children. So you want to teach your children that sports is not the be-all and the end-all, we don't, well, let me, let me say it this way. There was, a, there was an article in the Kalamazoo Gazette when I was young, and I was struggling with sports because it was becoming an idol for me. I mean, you wouldn't think it now, but I, I, was, I was really good at sports. And um, when, you, when you play in an organized team, it can easily become an idol. And I, I, read, I read this uh, article of uh, Sidney Harris, a Kalamazoo Gazette editor, and he made one sentence in that article, wrote one sentence that I never forgot. He said, in American culture today, we are playing sports with the seriousness with which we ought to live life, and we're living life with a levity with which we ought to be playing sports. Wow, that was a home run. I mean, how true that is. For some people, sports is the be-all and the end-all. So you want to bring up your children in a way that, yes, strive to be good in sports. Yes, enjoy playing friends with your, sports with your friends and scrimmages and um, intramural sports. And if there is organized sports that you do allow your children to play in, which is a whole other question, don't let it become an idol. Don't, don't think this is the most important part of your life. And uh, fine to compete with one another when you play sports. That, that's fun. That's enjoyable. But don't let it become a matter of, of, of great, great pride. And don't participate in the sports mania of our day. So talk to, talk to your children that way. And the second thing I just mentioned physically is we need to train them in, in dress and appearance. Um, my, my wife did, did very well with our kids that way, especially the daughters, you know, not going too far on one side and making them the laughing stock of the world with old-fashioned baggy clothes. And on the other side, teaching them very strongly the principles of modesty and that no parts of the body that are reserved for marriage should be revealed at all in the way we dress. That is, we are to dress modestly. 
as the Bible says, uh, particularly 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4 is very helpful here. But also boys, as you raise your boys, teach them sobriety, as we read in Titus 2, verse 6. Um, dressing decently and dressing for the occasion and walking uprightly, um, handling themselves with integrity and not being sloppy and, and disheveled. And, uh, boys and girls should be told of their responsibility to have their appearance and their dress be consistent with the whole way of the Christian life, to walk circumspectly and not to be vain or to be sensuous or to degrade their body with impurity through messages they're sending with the way they appear. All right, so those, those are just a few thoughts on how to train your children physically. Let me now conclude um, four, four quick thoughts as a conclusion. Number one, this, this applies now to the intellectual, social, and physical training. Number one, depend on the Holy Spirit for help. Depend on the Holy Spirit for help. No matter what we say, or what we use, whether it's books or our own words or, or examples, to train our children in godly living, we will always fall short. We will always fall short. You feel like a parent, especially when your children leave home and they get married and they're on their own, you look back over those years and you say, oh man, oh man, I made so many mistakes, so many mistakes. God help me. Or God help us. But the Holy Spirit, this is the good news, the Holy Spirit can restore the years the locusts have eaten. He can correct the mistakes that you've made. And He can help you not to make more mistakes in the process. And so it's important to lean on the Holy Spirit and ask every day for guidance to train your children in the way that they should go. And of course, we lean on the Holy Spirit supremely in terms of giving them a new heart, which we can never do. So that ought to keep us humble as parents because the, the one thing our children need most of all is the one thing we can't give them. So we realize our dependency upon God. So daily, daily, when you go to bed at night, just say, Lord, please give, give, give us wisdom, give us patience, give us strength to train and mold our children into people who will please Thee and whom Thou wilt bless by Thy Spirit according to Thy Word. Secondly, use every opportunity you can to teach, to train. The window of opportunity will soon close. I think I mentioned Mary's article in Table Talk. Uh, I think it came out this month um, on dinner talk around, around the table. Uh, Mary was a bit better than that at that than I was, I think. But um, she often said to me, okay, well, when we have supper now, let's, let's talk about real things with the kids. Let's use it as a teaching opportunity. And, and that's, that's great. 
Those, those precious times, you blink a couple times, they're gone. But those precious times of talking to your children, not only in family worship, but also around the dinner table, where they're just talking, you're talking about things that happened that day, and making applications, and bringing it to bear on Scripture, and reinforcing things in family worship or in sermons. Um, that's, that's valuable. And, and that's so easy to neglect that. So I, I just say, try by God's grace to use every opportunity you can to, to, do, to do good teaching. Thirdly, don't abandon your post. Don't abandon your post. Be a faithful prophet, priest, king to your, to your children as, 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 as a dad and as a mom, uh, prophetess, priestess, queen, whatever. Uh, but the point is teaching as a prophet, praying as a priest, guiding as a king. That's your number one biblical paradigm for, for parenting. Don't abandon that post. That's your calling. Feel that calling every day. And number four, it's never too late to start. If you feel like the lessons you've been hearing the last three, four times we've been here talking about parenting, and you say, oh, wow, I've just, I have messed up so badly. There's no use even trying to correct it. I, I don't know where to begin. Not true. Not true. The Holy Spirit can help you. It's not too late to start. Yes, you've fallen short. So have I. So has every parent that's ever lived on planet Earth. And if your children are out of the home and you say, I've, I've never done these things and other things we're going to be talking about today, God can restore the years of locusts of Eden. You can, you can begin to do little bits and pieces of it, at least, with your grandchildren. So use every opportunity you are given to influence the grandchildren God has given you. Well, I'm going to close off this lesson then with... Um, this little prayer I found of a 17th century Puritan. And this is, this is a summary of what I'm trying to say in these concluding remarks. O God, I cannot endure to see the destruction of my kindred. Let those that are united to me in tender ties be precious in thy sight and devoted to thy glory. Sanctify and prosper my domestic devotion my domestic instruction, my domestic discipline, my domestic example, that my house may be as a nursery for heaven, my church the garden of the Lord, enriched with the trees of righteousness of thy planting for thy glory. Let not those in my family who are amiable, moral, and attractive fall short of heaven at last, but grant that the promising appearances of tender consciences, of soft hearts, of the alarms and delights of thy word, may not be blotted out, but may bring forth judgment unto victory in all those whom I love. You know, before I transition to this new lesson, I just want to say one thing. This week and Thanksgiving Day, we had the privilege of having all 10 of our grandchildren at home with us. And at the end of the evening, after supper, we, we just quickly all gave one thing, one thing that we were thankful for this past year. And we started with some of the young children. 
And, you know, you got the things you expected, you know. I'm thankful for cars and trucks, you know, obviously coming from a boy. Um, so that, that, you know, okay. It's <laughs> what you expect. And then all of a sudden, a little grandchild, four years old, what are you thankful for? Mercy. She said, mercy. Wow. <laughs> That's very, very good. Praise the Lord. And then another one. The Bible. Oh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You see, are those children saved? Because they get, you know, the Lord alone knows. But the point is this. You will be encouraged along the way as parents and grandparents. You'll be discouraged too, but you'll be encouraged along the way of the things they are getting, the things they are grasping. And it comes out in surprising ways like that. I mean, imagine a four-year-old saying, the thing I'm thankful for is mercy. And then there was a teenager with us as well, uh, Thursday night, and uh, the teenager said, I'm thankful this past year for affliction. Imagine that. A 17-year-old. Affliction. And she said, because affliction has brought me closer to the Lord this year. So, I, I just give you this example spontaneously right now to encourage you. You know, you labor, you cast your bread upon the waters every day, every day. And that day's family worship, oh, that didn't go very well. And uh, that's, oh man, there's nothing you said worthwhile around that dinner table. And oh, you think you're such a failure and crying to God to help you. And, and then all of a sudden, you get an encouragement. Well, something is getting through. Something is getting through. And you wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. Train, 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 train a thousand times. And you have to say no a thousand times. And you encourage a thousand times. Cast your bread on the water. You'll find it after what? Many days. You don't find it every day. Many days. Okay, now we transition. Um, I want to talk to you about Matthew, or Mark rather, 10 through 16, and I'm not going to be able to do it very long because this took longer than I thought it would, but um, the first thought I want to bring to you here is, by way of introduction, is that our bringing our children to Christ can also be a very humbling experience because though we can bring them, and I'm going to show you 10 ways to bring them, Physically, in a sense, to Jesus, we can't do, as I said, the internal work of the heart. We can't save our children, but we're responsible to bring them in the way of the means, to bring them to the Savior, and those means are the soil in which our desire to bring them to Jesus will, will grow. And so, we as unclean parents who produce unclean children, Psalm 51.5, which ought to humble us, 
are encouraged to bring both our unclean selves and our unclean children to a glorious Savior who loves to put his hands upon children, as the text says, and bless them and take them up in his arms. So, second thought on the outline, it's our duty to bring our children to Christ. It's our duty to bring our children to Christ. And what we're learning from Mark 10, verse 13 through 16, is this. We're to bring them at every age. That's number one. That's 2A on the outline. At every age. You see, I used to think that Mark 10 applied only to infants. Jesus took them up in his arms. You, you picture just little babies, don't you? But the Greek word actually is best translated young children. So it's not, it's not just little babies. Uh, it's also children, four, five, seven, maybe eight years old. They brought them to Jesus. It doesn't mean Jesus took them all in his arms. Some of them may even have been teenagers. It just means pre-adults. Uh, so bring them at every age to Jesus. Number two, bring them despite opposition. Interestingly, the disciples were standing in the way. Can you believe that? Sometimes even people in the church have an assumption that God is not going to work in young children savingly and they can stand in the way and, and, and dampen your expectations. Or the world stands in the way. Or Satan stands in the way. Or the hearts of your own children stand in the way. Or your own heart stands in the way of bringing them to Jesus. There are so many enemies, so, many, so much opposition. Even the disciples here, these holy men of God, were running interference for the Lord. They, they, it was not kosher in those days for a self-proclaimed prophet to pay any attention to children. That was below his dignity. So they were offended when parents brought their children to Jesus. And they rebuked them. But Jesus was very displeased. And thirdly, we're to bring them not only at every age and despite opposition, but we're to bring them even when there are circumstances in our lives that seem to work against our children coming to Jesus. I, I remember when I was 14 years old and God began to work savingly in me. There, and, I, and then when I was 15, I was delivered and I lost all my shyness and my mouth just overflowed with Christ. I had to speak to people. There were people that criticized me. Well, was, you know, at least in that church, you were, you were too young and you, you shouldn't be talking about these things. And it, it, it was like if you were just the normal, unconverted young person, then, then you're accepted. But to actually speak out about the things of God and be filled with the love of Christ, that was considered, ooh, suspect. And you see, but you need to bring your children to Jesus. You need to aim for this. You need to, you're dependent on Him, but, but, but come, come. Bring them to Jesus at every age, despite opposition, and even despite opposition from fellow believers. 
Well, that raises the question then, how, how do we actually bring our children to Christ? And um, that's what we're going to look at uh, next, uh, next week. Yeah, next week. We're going to look at that uh, in 10 different ways. I'll just give you the first one to whet your appetite. We bring them to Jesus by being fully convinced, sort of what Reverend Biles said this morning in parallel, that our children need Jesus and his salvation. In other words, we are never to be satisfied to just have obedient children, have good children, quotation marks, uh, short of Jesus. They need Jesus. They need his salvation. They're sinners. If they're to die outside of Jesus, they will be lost. So that's number one. You have to be convinced that they are dead. Dead bones, as it were. Like I'm, I'll be preaching tonight, actually, on, on the Valley of the Vision of the dry bones. They're dead spiritually until they're born again. John 3, verse 5. And so without Jesus, they must perish. So that's going to impact how you talk to them, but also how you feel about the great need that, to bring them to Jesus yourself. This is your greatest calling in parenting, to bring your children to Jesus. So be convinced. Be convinced. And tell them, children, you need Jesus. Without Jesus, you can't be born again. Without Jesus, you can't truly believe the gospel. Without Jesus, you can't truly repent. Without Jesus, you can't truly have faith. Without Jesus, you can't truly enter the kingdom of God. Without Jesus, you can't be made a new creation. You need Jesus. So the, the sense of need is the first way of 10 to bring them to Jesus. We'll look at numbers 2 through 10 next week. Let's pray. Gracious God, please, please teach us and teach our children that we all need the Lord Jesus Christ and help us to impress that lovingly upon their consciences, not cramming it down their throats, but lovingly impress it upon their consciences that this Savior is available. This Savior loves children. The Savior says, suffer the little children to come to me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And so as we look further next week, God willing, at ways to bring our children to Jesus, please bless our meager efforts as parents, as grandparents, or even as great-grandparents to do that in some way or another. And may it be effective and may thy Holy Spirit bless the means used parentally to impact our children for everlasting good. Lord, what a blessing when thou wilt use parents themselves and their words and their lifestyle as a means which will gather the children savingly into the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Please, Lord. Make us instruments for good for our own seed and our seed seed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.